0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. We're going to a recap today of the first round and a look ahead of the second round. Some of our favorite players left. I brought in Thor Nystrom of Roto World. You can follow him on Twitter at Thor Ku. This podcast can be unedited, raw content, you know, just trying to get our thoughts out there. So Thor, talk to me a little bit about uh, some of the things you liked about the first round, some of the things you didn't, some of the surprises, all that good stuff.
1: I like the entertainment value, Elliot. Um, riveting cinema as always. Um, you know, going into... I was talking with my buddy last night about how two or three days ago, we thought the first pick was going to be Josh Allen for the Browns. We thought the fourth pick was going to be Bradley Chubb. And we thought if they audibled off that, it would be Sam Darnold at one and Saquon Barkley at four. And instead we get Baker Mayfield at one and Denzel Ward at four. And the surprises just sort of went on from there. I, I just thought it was great theater.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that one where, you know, once Baker went one, and that was the talk throughout the day. So that was a surprise when you woke up in the morning, but not necessarily a surprise at draft time. I really thought the Giants would come to their senses and draft a quarterback. Now, I love Saquon Barkley. I think he's the best non-quarterback in the draft, but taking a running back second overall is steep, even when you add in Barkley's receiving ability. And the fact that the Giants needed a quarterback, refused all the trade-outs. I thought it was just smoke, and they would just take the quarterback. Then Darnold goes to three. The Jets never thought he was going to be there. Totally. Um, oh, if you watch their video or whatever, the first thing they say to him is, dude, we didn't think you'd be here. Like he, They I, they traded up for Baker, and yep. Darnold is the guy that fell to them. And then Ward goes four, and then we're off to the races where everything is just different than mock drafts. And I love the Ward pick. I thought he was the best corner in the draft. I think he's more Sean Lattimore 2.0. I mean, I know that's a lazy comp, but – he he's a lockdown corner and they're they're set up really pretty in the second round to add some more depth to that defense and pieces and we'll talk about that. Bradley Chubb, the Broncos get a fantastic pass rusher. That made sense to me. Then you got Quentin Nelson. We don't we don't really even need to talk about that pick. It makes a lot of sense. I didn't I thought he was gonna go five to the Broncos, but I didn't think they thought Chubb was gonna be there. And then the Bills come up and they get Josh Allen. Um I tweeted that, congrats, Bills, you failed. I should have just said blown it, but failed. And then I got a whole bunch of Bills fans in my mentions telling me that the Bills didn't fail. I failed. Uh, Roquan Smith, Mike McGlinchey, and Josh Rosen. Anyone stand out in the top 10 to you?
1: Well, it was a surprise to me that Josh Rosen fell to 10 for sure. Um, You know, if if you're the Bills and you're going to trade up, you talk about the Bills failing. um, You know, my opinion for the Bills was stick at 12 You know, they came into the day with nine picks. Going through that roster, you have at least 10 holes. And that's conservative. You probably have more than 10 holes. To be trading up like that and to make such a brazen pick, I I just thought it was a big mistake. You know, if if you're the Bills, you want a guy who not only has a high ceiling but has a high floor. And to me, that's Josh Rosen. Now, you know, I'm higher on him than some other folks. I know I'm higher on him than you. But... Rosen was the number one player in the class for me. I do not understand how if you watch Josh Allen play football and then you turn around and you watch Josh Rosen play football. I do not understand how you conclude that Josh Allen is the better player that that he's going to develop into the better player i I you know you just start wondering what's the disconnect between what I'm seeing and what you know an NFL team is is seeing and i I certainly don't think that i'm I'm smarter than the Bill's brass, but um you start to wonder what am I missing here, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% there. As a Jets fan, I, I was thrilled that Josh Allen went 7th overall to the Bills. They had to trade up, and they got the guy that I think can you know set a franchise back a couple years. And the Cardinals jumped the Dolphins to make sure they get Josh Rosen. I was very happy with the way the top 10 went. Um, and then yep. 11 through 20, we got Minka Fitzpatrick to the Dolphins. Vita Vea to the Bucks. We talked about this off-air. I thought they executed brilliantly. I think Ve- Vea is the guy they wanted at 7 overall. They're able to add more assets and get them at 12. Stay in front of and the Redskins. you jump skins. the Skins. Yeah. You, know, you
1: jumped the Skins, who were widely mocked to the Skins. That was one of the free spots on the board when we were all doing our mock drafts. You know, it was like the free spot in Bingo. Everyone put Vita Vea to the Redskins. And like you were talking about before, I mean, just just great maneuvering around the board by the box. They trade down. They managed to stay one spot ahead of the Redskins, which I'm sure was a, you know, a prerequisite of a trade down. They managed to stay ahead of them. They, like everybody else, knew the Redskins were locked in on Vea. They get Vea at twelve, and it's like we were talking about off air. It seemed like the Redskins may have panicked a tad when Vea goes off the board, and then they're just sitting there like, "Oh no, we just thought we were going to be turning and beat Vea's name, you know, on the card." And they just audible the Daron Payne. I think Daron Payne is a really solid football player. I'm not necessarily arguing with that pick. It was a tad early for me, but um. Yeah, the Redskins had to be just heartbroken with the way that whole thing played out.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with you 100% there where they were sitting on Veya and they just pivoted to the next guy at the same position. That's what it felt like. And then the Saints come up and everyone's like, oh my God, they just moved up for Lamar Jackson. And, then they, and then they traded two first round picks for Marcus Davenport. Now Davenport is a pass rusher and obviously that's a very important position probably second most important position but they paid a high price tag for a guy that's more of a ceiling player than a guy that can contribute right away you know he's he's got a lot of rawness to his game what did you think of that move
1: i didn't like it um you know and i i i want to i want to be careful not to go too hard here merely because i have something of a bias because i don't rank davenport as high as others you know i i rank davenport in the 40s and I totally understand why people would rank him higher. So I I totally get it, and I understand what the Saints saw in him. However, to pay a price like that, that is a brutal, brutal price to move up the board. You know, Surrendering your first-round pick next year, that's huge equity. To use that to get a player that I feel like is really, really raw, no sure thing. And not only that, but you're paying that price if you're not going to draft Lamar Jackson there. You are paying that price because you expect to get a player that is going to improve your odds of winning the Super Bowl, right? I mean, period, right? You you pay that price because you're trying to improve your odds of winning the Super Bowl next year. You are taking an extremely raw defensive end. We we don't know how much help Marcus Davenport is going to give the Saints next year. Um, and he has a higher bus profile than say a guy like Harold Landry who remains available going into day two. We'll, we'll talk about the best available day two guys soon, but. I would have taken Harold Landry over Marcus Davenport in a vacuum, and you wouldn't have had to surrender all that stuff to move up. I I just thought it was a mistake. What, what was your take on that?
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't believe they did it. I couldn't believe they paid that price tag. If you're gonna, if if, if I'm gonna give up my two first rounders, it's for a quarterback. And it,
1: absolutely, amen.
0: Yeah. So the Raiders moved back. I like that they moved back. I wouldn't have taken Colton Miller. I think that was a huge reach. I know he has the athletic profile. I don't like the, he's the false step out of his break, and I think he's going to take a while to learn how to play tackle. I think they were hoping for Mike McGlinchey at 10. When he was on the board, they were very comfortable trading back. I think they would have taken Miller at 10, so I think it's a good job by them to make sure that they added the assets, but I don't love the player there. The Bills then trade up with Baltimore, who were incredibly active on draft day for Tremaine Edmonds. This is another high-ceiling guy. I mean, the Bills shot shot high with their their two picks i like Edmonds, but again they gave up more draft capital to move up then the chargers i think got one of the steals of the draft and derwin james falling to them at 17 i thought he was oh, a man. he was a top 10 player in this draft easily i did he i would have taken him before a lot of the guys that went before him i i, I think uh if i was the saints i would have traded up for derwin james where i traded up for Marcus Davenport. oh man and then at 18, this is the one team I knew was going to trade down. The Seahawks had no second or third round picks. It was pretty obvious they were looking to move down. The Packers, after trading down before, trade up to get Jair Alexander. I love that. And then the Cowboys take Leighton Vander Esch and Lions take Frank Ragno. Uh, any of those picks stand out to you?
1: no i i I agree with your interpretation um of them i like you know you, you were talking about the colton miller thing again we dude we see we're on the same page with colton miller um i i didn't love the pick from a value perspective i don't see it with colton miller i i've heard your take on colton miller we line up very very closely on colton miller so we're on the same page with that i did like and you mentioned this i did like that they were able to move down because i agree with your thing right they were in a very similar situation to the redskins they get sniped on their guy one spot before them. And instead of sort of panicking and taking Colton Miller at 10, you pick up some assets to move back. So I will give them credit on that. Um, the Raiders and I, we had different evaluations on Colton Miller. So, um, but I, I do respect them for getting those assets, you know, it's, it's sort of having the self awareness to realize what Colton Miller's value range was around.
0: Yep. I, I agree, and you know Miller was someone the Raiders were connected pretty heavily with because Tom Cable saw all the raw tools and thought he's one of those guys that thinks he can kind of mold them. And we we're back we got on to the Tom Cable. Yeah, uh, but back to the Bengals at 21, they take Billy Price. I think Frank Ragnow was their guy that was reported. That's who I mocked there. And then I it it reminds me of what the Redskins did. They kind of panicked. I think Billy Price is a bit of a reach there. I would have taken James Daniels over Billy Price. I think Price is good, but when you add in the injury. I think Price is a guy you could have traded back and got. The Titans trade up. This pick has now been traded four times. <laughs> and got Rashawn Evans. You know, a guy that can add something to the edge. Off-ball linebacker. Do a lot of different things. Patriots, I thought, knocked the 23rd pick out of the park. Getting Isaiah Win. And They needed offensive line help and win. I think is phenomenal. DJ Moore. I This is a, one of the picks I actually did get right. I saw... Um, I'm blanking on his name. The offensive coordinator. Uh, North Turner of uh, the panthers watching more at the pro day and just kind of looking like a like a little kid giddy and all that stuff and you know newton needed a weapon so i I like the more pick there i like the ravens moving down and then they take hayden Hurst and this one blows my mind i don't get why you take a 25 year old tight end i've talked about this endlessly but you know, when a position takes two to three years to develop, I don't, I don't get why you take a 25-year-old tight end in the first round. I, I, I thought Ridley was a shoe-in there with uh, Newsom's Alabama ties, and then Ridley goes 26 to the Falcons. I like the player. I think it's a good NFL fit. I don't think Ridley's necessarily going to do a ton production-wise on that team for a while with julio jones and sanu there and every the way their offense works penny to the seahawks may have been the most surprising pick of the entire draft you know penny was a guy that you a lot of people had in the two to four round range um and the seahawks have so many needs up front they just they just went all in on running back though terrell edmonds if it wasn't penny edmonds was the surprise of the draft that one blew my mind Taven Bryan, the Jaguars had another pass rusher up the middle. They're really scary. Vikings had a corner in Hughes. Thought they were going to go offensive line, but they, the Hughes is a really talented press corner. Sony Michelle. The, all the rumors of the day of the draft is that he was about to fall. The Patriots are a team that are kind of ha- go hand in hand with analytics and a lot of people how they t- talk about. Patriots don't value running backs, and then the Patriots jump up to 30, or stay at 31 to take Sonny Michelle. I thought that's pretty telling that running back might not be dying as much as people think it is. And then the Ravens come in at 32 with the Eagles and draft Lamar Jackson. I, I really like this pick. I know Lamar's one of your guys. I'll let you talk about him, but getting Lamar Jackson getting that 5th year option cuz he's not going to start this year Flacco is and admitting that Flacco is not the future of that team I, I like it from the fact that they got a talented player they're ready to move on from Flacco and they got the 5th year option on the rookie quarterback so I really like that move
1: Yeah love that I'll uh, I'll get to my Lamar Jackson love here in a second J- just responding to the stuff um you know the the picks you were going through Rayne now at 20 I thought was a solid pick I agree with your interpretation there I think the Bengals were locked in on him um If they somehow didn't take him, I think the Panthers would have. And I heard this morning from a Viking source that the Vikings wanted Frank Ragnow. So I I think a lot of those teams between 21 and 32 were sort of hoping that Frank Ragnow was going to get to him. I think that's why people heard a lot of Frank Ragnow smoke heading up into the draft. He was just a guy that I think, and and myself included in the draft media, we just missed it with Ragnow early on in the process. I think he was always a first-round pick. And we just sort of caught on to that late. And I think there was sort of a frenzy there once it, you know, it got around in the late teens, you know, who who was going to get Ragnow and, and good for the Lions for sort of snatching them up there. Agree with your interpretation of the Bengals. I, I think that was another Redskins type situation. I, I think, you know, that they were thinking that they were going to get Ragnow. Uh, Ragnow flies off the board. And then, you know, you, you just sort of audible to Billy Price. I I prefer James Daniels as well. Um You know, I I think you could have traded down, um, you know, with both Price and Daniels on the board. If I'm the Bengals, this is the way that I'm thinking about it. Are both of those guys going to go off the board between, say, pick now and, say, pick 34, right? Like, you could trade down the board there because you have a little bit of leeway. There's two centers there that are both considered you know, late first round, early second round type prospects. Um, I think that gives you a little runway to work with there. If, if I was the Bengals, I would have tried to trade down five, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve 10, 12 type picks and then gotten one of the two. Um, so th- that was my take on them. Um, I liked what the Titans did jumping uh, the Patriots for Rashawn Evans. I, I thought that was a solid move needing, needing a linebacker. I thought they might go Harold Landry there, but, um, you know, it, it seems like they hopped the Patriots because they wanted to steal Rashawn Evans from him. Great job by the Patriots with Isaiah Wynn. You and I are on the same page with Isaiah Wynn. Top 10 prospect for me. Um, I live in Minneapolis. I'm a lifelong Vikings fan. Isaiah Wynn was the guy that I wanted at 30. Um, so it, it, it wasn't surprising the Patriots stole him from the Vikings and those other teams looking for interior help. But uh, good for them. Um, I I thought it was really cool that the, the Panthers got DJ Moore, seeing as though he's sort of a Steve Smith clone. I, I just thought there was some sort of beautiful symmetry there. I was with you on the Hayden Hurst pick. I, when, when the Ravens got, you know, we're in that 25 slot and Lamar Jackson was still there. I was convinced that my buddy, I was watching the draft with, I told him here comes Lamar Jackson, you know, and I, I wrote something similar on Twitter and then they took a 25 year old tight end. Um, and and listen, I I don't want to trash Hayden Hurst. I I think Hayden Hurst is a solid player. He is my tight end number one. However, I rank Hayden Hurst um, in my my last rating update. He was either late 40s or early 50s. So to me, he was a mid to later second round type prospect. I just don't understand taking him that high. If if you like Hayden Hurst, take him in the second round. You know, and and again, talking about you know, having a little runway. Dallas Godert is is still out there. Mike Gesicki is still out there. Um, we have some pretty solid day three tight ends as well. I I'm a big Ian Thomas guy. I, I think he's pretty solid. So I I think he had some 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 runway there, some leeway. And uh, you know I know the Ravens wanted a tight end, but I didn't love the value play there. Um, Falcons taking Calvin Ridley makes sense. Um, the Seahawks taking Rashad Penny. I was with you, man. I I darn near fell out of my seat. I'm not a big Rashawn Penny guy, a Rashad Penny guy. Um, I rank him running back 8th. I had him as a late third round type player. Um, Elliot, we, you and I have talked just a bit about Penny. I I think we're on a, a similar page with him. I I like him as a runner in most metrics. I, obviously, he's sort of a size speed type proposition. For me, it, it's it's the other things about Rashad Penny. Um, you and I have have talked off air about his pass blocking and his aversion to pass blocking kind of a rudimentary receiver. And I just think if, if you're going to take a running back in round one, that isn't, you know, a huge plus on third downs, you know, if if you're not going to go in the sort of Sony Michelle direction and Sony, by the way, Sony Michelle would have been my guy. Sony Michelle was my running back too behind Saquon Barkley. If I'm going to take a running back there, I'm taking safe, I'm I'm sorry, I'm taking Sony Michelle, but if, if you're going to take a, a running back of that profile, I don't understand why you don't just take Darius Geis. Um, so th- that one was really confusing to me. You mentioned the Terrell Edmonds pick. Um, I was mentioning this to you off air. I, I heard right before the draft a bunch of buzz about Terrell Edmonds going in in round one, and I didn't believe it. The the media guy who was telling me this, I, I was asking him because I was working on my, my mock draft, you know, and I was asking him for – You know, sort of like um, team and prospect, um, you know, type news. Was was there any links he had for me or anything like that? And you know, he was mentioning that Edmonds could get into round one, and I was basically just saying no. I I cannot see that. Um, I I reject this information. And then you know, he he was asking me. He's like, well, if you're doing a round two, I can give you some some uh, you know team fits for that like Terrell Edmonds in round two. And uh, yeah. Anyway, it just seemed like. You know, even though to us it seems like the Steelers um, sort of went rogue there and reached for Edmonds, I know that there was, you know, multiple teams that were interested in Terrell Edmonds in the second round. So they must have figured to themselves, we have to take him here or we're not going to get him. I think I would have told the Steelers, well, just don't get him. You know, um, Justin Reed was on – Justin Reed's still on the board, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I you know, I, I would have gone that direction. Um, yeah, and then the rest of the first round, um, Taven Bryan I thought was a solid pick. I, I thought the, the Jaguars might address a different position there. Um, but, you know, Taven Bryan absolutely deserved to go in that slot. So I, I thought that was a nice value play. Same thing with the Vikings at 30. Um, you know, I, I thought the Vikings would go offensive line. Um, you know, and it seemed like some of their targets were gone. We we know that Ragnow was one of them. Um, I'm sure Isaiah Wynn was a guy they would have considered as well. Um, you know, and, and when some of those guys were off the board, I, I think they figured, well, let's take Mike Hughes. We like him more than a guy like Will Hernandez from UTEP or, you know, Connor Williams from Texas or James Daniels from Iowa. Um, you, I, I remember listening to a podcast that you had about um, Daniels. And I think you guys briefly touched on the idea of him to the Vikings and this idea that to do so, you would have to move Elfline off center and then you sort of deprive Elfline of a little bit of his value in the position switch so that it, that it wasn't the most maybe perfect um, type fit. But, I, you know, I I don't know. I, I think I would have considered that. You know, I, I rank Daniels ahead of Hughes, but I do like Hughes. I had him as, the, I think, the 23rd prospect, and, and you get him at 30. It was a position of need. You know, cornerback was one of the Vikings' three highest, highest positions in need. So I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that. Plus with Mike Hughes, I, what I like to say about Mike Hughes is it's two-for-one shopping. You, you get the cornerback you get a starting cornerback but you also just get a fabulous return man so um he, he's a fun little player sony michelle just a patriots type guy i mean i'm I, I was kicking myself that i didn't put that in my own mock draft it, it just makes so much sense um they're such a smart team um sony michelle can do so many different things for you the only thing he has to do is stop fumbling the ball um, and, you know, I, I'm sure that they'll help him with that. So do you want to talk about Lamar Jackson now? Should I should I get into my spiel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, agree, I agree with everything for the most part what you said. It is funny that the Seahawks basically have no blockers up front for Russell Wilson, and now the pass-blocking guy that they're going to throw in at running back is going to be Rashad Penny, who also can't block. So good luck, Russell <laughs> Wilson, surviving. But, yeah, you know, I know Lamar Jackson's your guy, so I'll give you the stage, and you can talk about his fit with the Ravens and your thought on the pick.
1: I thought it was an outstanding pick. I, th- I thought it was an outstanding move. Um, you know, I, I, before we were sort of ripping the Ravens for taking Hayden Hurst. Um, and, you know, in some ways I think they deserve to be ripped. But um, I'm going to give them all the credit in the world for the other move they made and getting up there to get Lamar Jackson. Um, I'm kind of out on Lamar Jackson Island here. Um, you know, I, I ranked him as the second quarterback in the class. I ranked him as the fifth overall prospect. When, when we talk about quarterbacks, everybody knows this, it's common sense that there's a high bust rate with them. You know, I think the percentage rate was uh 40% hit rate or something like that on, on first round quarterbacks. I mean, you're, you're talking about less than a, a sort of coin flip proposition. Um, when I'm looking at a quarterback I want to develop, Lamar Jackson is that guy. You know, I, I had Josh Rosen as the number one overall prospect in the class, like I mentioned before, but um, Lamar Jackson would have been the sort of second guy I, I was looking at, especially because knowing going into the draft, you're going to be able to get him outside of the top 10. And, you know, people will talk about Josh Allen as the ceiling quarterback, the boomer bust ceiling quarterback in this class. I, I just vehemently disagree. I, I I think Lamar Jackson's ceiling is higher. I think Lamar Jackson's floor is way, way higher for reasons I'll talk about in a second. But thirdly, and most importantly, Lamar Jackson's path to reaching his ceiling, it is so much clearer um, than, than, than Josh Allen's, right? Like, Josh Allen has never had accuracy or ball placement or pocket presence at any level he's played at. You know, I, I, I tweeted this out last night, Josh Allen completed less than 50% of his passes at ju- in the juco rings, right. A few years ago. And in the past couple of years, he was around 56% at Wyoming. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into the whole Josh Allen thing. we we talked plenty about Josh Allen, but if, if you're going to go for that sort of boomer bust proposition I, I don't know why you just don't take, um, Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, and, and, and you guys have heard plenty about him, so I, I won't go on long, but you're talking about the best quarterback athlete to come into the league since Michael Vick. So that, that's just number one. Um, Lamar Jackson has a howitzer for, for an arm, you know, there's this sort of apocryphal story where his high school coach said he threw the ball a hundred yards down the field. There appears to be a YouTube video, a grainy one, but a, a YouTube video, nonetheless, of Lamar Jackson throwing 90 yards. Um, just an absolute bazooka. and and you can see that on the film, right? Um, Lamar Jackson's issues, they have nothing to do with pocket feel, pocket presence, anything like that. He has, in my opinion, tremendous pocket presence. um he He seems to have a preternatural ability to gauge when the rush is descending upon him. Um, and and then, at that point, he'll get out of the pocket. But I think one big misconception about Lamar Jackson, is, well, a a few different ones baked into one sort of overarching um, misconception about him. But it's that he is this pure athlete quarterback that will run, um, will sort of get happy feet and is always looking to run and come sort of out of a a gimmicky offense where most of his production was done outside of the pocket. That's just not true. Um, Lamar Jackson is a pocket passer who also just sort of happens to be one of the elite athletes we have ever seen come into the league at that position. Um, he, he's a guy who's looking to throw first. He's a guy who goes through progressions and listen, that that part of his game does need to improve, but he's a guy whose eyes are always downfield. Even when he begins to scramble and he's weaving in and out of defenders descending upon him in the pocket, his eyes are still downfield. You know, he, he's not dropping his eyes until he is past the line of scrimmage. Um, he, he is a guy who throws to all three levels of the field. Yeah. D- does his accuracy need to improve? Yeah. I mean, he, he's a guy who didn't complete 60% of his passes last year. However, he was he was getting close to that number. Um, his accuracy improved every year in college. He was a guy coming out of high school who played in a pistol offense that basically melded a triple option type approach with throwing the ball down the field, right? So, you know, his high school coaching staff wanted to take advantage of his athleticism and his ability to throw the ball down the field, and they basically didn't um, do much of anything else. So when, when Lamar came to Louisville, he was incredibly raw. And that first year on campus, Bobby Petrino basically taught him, this is how, you know, we play offense. We're, you know, we're going to teach you our offense and, and how, you know, basically went about trying to turn him into a pocket passer. And you saw those progressions as as Lamar Jackson went along, and as to the the offensive, you know that idea. Louisville runs the Erhard Perkins system, which is the exact same system that the Patriots run. Obviously, it's the exact same system that Teddy Bridgewater came out of. Um, I, I was surprised the Patriots passed on him twice. Honestly, I, I just think the ceiling is very very high and. The, like I said before, the path to getting there—it's very clear. Um, he he has a mechanical issue that he needs to work out. Where he throws very high. You know, he's a player who plays very upright, and there's a lot of players in this class that play that play very upright. He's he's one of them. He runs high, he throws high, and naturally, he has a a very narrow base because of that. You know, the the wider your base is, the lower to the, the ground that you get. And Lamar, you know, he throws and he runs with that very narrow base and very upright and you know, he, he's got to work on that. You know, he's, he's got to widen that base. Um, he, he's got to take a bigger lead step, you know, when when he throws. Um, and he needs to take, you know, start taking the stress off of his arm and his elbow. You know, all the stress for every throw that he has is on that arm and elbow because of his wonky mechanics. So when when those things get, um, you know, soldered out by his, his NFL coaching staff, I believe that you're going to see that accuracy continue to improve. Um, so anyway, that that's my whole thing about him. And then, you know, one last thing I, w- I wanted to say about Lamar Jackson, because this is a thing that wasn't, wasn't talked about a lot, but you know, when we talk about floors, Josh Allen's floor, if if Josh Allen busts, and I, I think a lot, a lot of people like you and I, and a lot of other folks out there think that there's a really decent chance of Josh Allen bust. If he does, you're talking about just a backup quarterback. You know, you're, you're talking about, I don't know. You're talking about a Paxton Lynch, you know, you're talking about, um, a Jake Locker type, you know, towards right before when he retired, Um, you know, you're just talking about a backup quarterback. If Lamar Jackson busts, I think that is a guy who can still give you a whole heck of a lot, you know, like a a supercharged Antoine Randall L or or something like that, a, a rich man's version of that. I, I just think, you know, between the ceiling and between what his floor is, and I think his floor is a lot higher than, than other, other folks think, even if he's not able to become a full-time starting quarterback, which I absolutely think he will be, I just think it's higher. So that, that's my whole thing about Lamar Jackson. I think the NFL missed the boat on this thing. Um, to me, he, he's a surefire top 15 pick. I would have taken him in the top 10. Um, that's just my take on him.
0: You know, I mean, I agree with most of everything you said, and you know, the NFL is still progressing its its thought process, and you know, whether or not you like Baker Mayfield going first overall, or not, first overall or not, one thing it did say was, you know, Baker Mayfield's metrics were phenomenal, right? Baker Mayfield had smaller hands, and he was shorter, and teams didn't just focus in on that for the first overall pick, and I think that's a good progression for football, and you know, hopefully Lamar Jackson works out, and the NFL starts realizing that you know all this ability that Lamar had. We got to look for that in more players. And obviously, Lamar's a very special talent, and he's not going to come along all the time. But I thought there was some signs of progression in terms of forward thinking with with certain picks. And I think Lamar's one of them. Baker's one of them. Um, I, I know you weren't mentioning Baker. I just wanted to talk about that thought process and how they missed on Lamar, um, and and hopefully that this they'll, they'll learn their lesson. But let, let's talk about round two. Who is who are some of the guys that stand out to you that you're surprised that are there? Are there any fits you would really like to see? I mean, I, I, we were talking off air. This is one of my favorite days, uh, of the, or it is my favorite day of the draft, where, you know, you get two rounds. There's still a lot of guys that I, I could see as first-round talents on the board, um, guys that fall in the perfect spot. So talk, talk to me. Who are some guys that you're excited to see go and maybe some places you want to see certain guys go?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> there's a few guys out there that I'm pretty stunned are still on the board. Um, I'm going to start that with Harold Landry. He is the number eight player in the class to me. I was very surprised he didn't get taken. You know, uh, Once we got into the 20s last night, I kept calling out his name. You know, he was another guy that I just kept expecting to go. And um, he, He's another guy I think people are just missing the boat on. Not, not people like you or I, but I, I, I think the NFL may be missing it there. Um, he's, he's a player I like a whole lot. You know, I, I see a lot of Vic Beasley in him um josh jackson from iowa my boy um he is my cornerback one um you know i and, and i didn't have him ranked too much higher than denzel warden jair alexander but um I, I really like josh jackson's game i'm surprised that he is still there if you want a ball hawk in your secondary move up the board and take josh jackson he is a fun fun player field flipper um another iowa guy is my third best available on the board right now we were talking about him before james daniels fabulous player fabulous prospect. He's going to help out an offensive line immediately, and I think he is going to be a perennial Pro Bowler. I am very, very bullish on James Daniels. Um, a couple other guys I have first round grades on that are still there. Cortland Sutton um, was my wide receiver one, just by a bit over DJ Moore. Big fan of his. Um, Josh Sweat was sort of a divisive, polarizing prospect. Um, I, I like Josh Sweat a lot. I, I wouldn't expect him to be on the board for too long tonight. Um, Connor Williams from Texas you know there there were was sort of a mini run on offensive lineman last night. I thought we would see him potentially sneak into the first round. you know I, I thought a team like the Patriots might be might be sniffing his way, but we didn't see him going. I think he 's another guy that 's going to go pretty early um, you know there's his position fit has always been the question um, you know whether he 's going to be your guard or your right tackle, he is worth a pick whenever you know when when the festivities start start tonight i think he's a solid value play at you know whatever slot he goes in mo hurst is a guy that'll you know a lot of a lot of folks like mo hurst more than me but i still have mo hurst as the number 29 prospect in the class obviously i don't know anything about his medicals i haven't seen his medical report so i can't speak to that but very good player on the field you know um you love the guys that can disrupt, you know, in the interior, and he's going to give you that. He's going to give you that in spades. My issue with Moherz was more um, his ability to hold down that anchor in the running game. I saw, I saw him get pushed back, you know, a little bit in the run game and in the film I was watching. But um, you know, you talk about a guy who is absolutely going to begin penetrating the interior from day one. Moherz is your dude, so I, I think he's a first-round talent who's going to be available in round two. Justin Reed, um, I would have taken him over Terrell Edmonds, like like I mentioned before. Um, very good player, very versatile player. Um, Will Hernandez from Utah, a guy that a lot of people thought would be a first rounder. He's still available. If you want to improve your run game, you go and get Will Hernandez. That guy just destroys people at the line of scrimmage. He is very fun to watch, as fun as Vita Vea is to watch from Washington. If you flip it over and you know to the other side of the line, Will Hernandez is your dude. Um, And then just uh, I'll just give some to you uh, rapid fire, Elliot. And you can you know you can give a comment on any of these guys you like. But my my next best available guys going in tonight tonight Isaiah Oliver from Colorado, nice long corner. Um, Darius Geis, we were mentioning him before. Jesse Bates from Wake Forest, another versatile safety. Tyrell Crosby is an offensive lineman that I really latched onto during this pre-draft process. Elliot, I, I've heard your spiel about the Oregon um, offensive blocking schemes and, and what Willie Taggart did there. Man, did I like watching uh, Crosby on tape that that guy's very fun. Um, I think he is going to be a day one starter at tackle. You know, the, there's some questions with him too. Do you, do you move him inside to guard? Well, if you want to move him inside to guard, move him inside to guard. But to me, he, he's going to be a guy that starts from day one. He's not one of these project types like, um, you know, Brian O'Neill, um, another guy that's available today that I'm a, a little bit lower on. I would argue that Colton Miller is a, you know, is, is a project. I, I would be more confident in Tyrell Crosby starting in year one than Colton Miller, for instance. Um, going a little bit lower, Ronald Jones, Malik Jefferson from Texas is kind of a fun linebacker. If you can just get him on the attack, you know, just, you know, a react type player. Um, Carlton Davis you know, we, we have a lot of corners and, and receivers that, that are still available. Carlton Davis from Auburn is an, another nice long one, physical guy. Dante Jackson going the other way, just an absolute speedster. You know, a, a guy who's – you're drafting him because you want to cut down on the slants against you next year. Um, Christian Kirk from A&M, a receiver. Very fun player. You know, I – I thought for a little bit about ranking um, Christian Kirk above Kelvin Ridley. They were sort of in the same value range for me. I I did rank Ridley a bit higher, but um, Kirk is a guy I really like. I I think he's underrated, and the reason why is, you know, I think when people watch his tape, there is a lack of context or a lack of understanding about the situation that Christian Kirk was in. When he signed with Texas A&M, you know, that was sort of like the Johnny Manziel, like, let's spread the field, let's throw the ball around the yard you know, and, and he came in with a ton of Ballyhood receivers, you know, like, um, Ricky Seals-Jones and Speedy Noyle. And Speedy Noel didn't work out in the NFL, but he was a heck of a recruit. Um, Josh Reynolds was on that team and, uh, you know, his first year was fine, and his first year was when was when he really produced, like right off the bat, as a true freshman. Um, you know, but then the second year, Trevor Knight, the Oklahoma transfer, is was their starting quarterback, and Trevor Knight was fine, but he was just a guy who scrambled around and had a noodle arm. You know, he he wasn't a guy that could get Kirk in a position to show his stuff. You know, you get you get Kirk the ball when you know you you, you hit him in stride and you let him run after the catch, um, he can make magic happen. And he didn't have that opportunity with either Trevor Knight or the quarterback last year, Kellen Mon. They, they started a true freshman for most of the season. So in, in a very similar way to another one of my top available guys um, heading into tonight, Equinemius St. Brown from Notre Dame. I think he's another guy who got hurt when people just watch his film without considering the context um, you know, St. Brown looked a lot better in 2016. Well, the reason was because he had Deshaun Kaiser throwing him the ball. You know, last year, Notre Dame starts a guy, they called a dual threat, Brandon Wimbush, but he only could threaten you in one way, which was running. Brandon Wimbush can't throw. And so even though, uh, St. Brown has this enormous catch radius, you know, you're talking about a guy who's six, five, he's got long arms, you know, his, uh, his dad is like, a um, Mr. Universe, like, um you know, competitive weightlifter or whatever, like Equinemius St. Brown's been working out since like he was a little kid and you can see it. I mean, he he does need to add a a, a little bit of play strength, but – He's, uh, Equinemius St. Brown is, is a great prospect, um, who I think also is hurt by the lack of context surrounding his situation. So I think he's another guy who's available, um, who I, I would really like. Sam Hubbard from Ohio State, um, the defensive end. Ronnie Harrison from Alabama. When, Elliot, when I'm ticking these names off to you, are there any guys who, if you were sitting in the first 10 picks, let's say, heading into tonight, that you would just be salivating over, that you want badly?
0: yeah I mean there, there are a few guys um, the first is Harold Landry uh, he was my number one ranked edge prospect I loved him just, just slightly above Bradley Chubb now apparently he, his medicals are the reason he's falling and uh, Mo Hurst is another guy I loved his, his uh, ability in the, to rush the pasture in the interior his medical with his heart is probably the reason he's falling uh, Will Hernandez is a guy Darius Geis I'm really high on uh, my, my tight end one Dallas Goddard still out there I love Justin Reed's film. I, I thought he's very similar to Mika Fitzpatrick in terms of what he can bring your team. Harrison, Harrison Phillips is another guy. You know, just stuff the run if you're looking for that. Quarton Sutton was my wide receiver one. Like, some of the guys out there are still the number one ranked at their position for me. Um, now, I, I think the second round is going to play out really interesting because the Browns and the Colts have four of the first five picks in the second round. Um, I would love to see the Browns come back and add Harold Landry to start. You know, I, I think if you miss, you, you decided to go to the top corner, and you you miss on Chubb, you pass on Chubb. Come right back and get Harold Landry, and allow him and Ogba and Miles Garrett to to just try to wreck havoc. And you know, uh, uh, Larry Ugen Boye or whatever his name is, I blank however you pronounce it not whatever his name is um he's another talented player so I, i think i would love to see that i would love the colts to come back and add will hernandez you know just play him and quilton nelson and just get real nasty up front though i think the giants should either take mason rudolph or uh will hernandez they're at at 34 a uh, couple other fits I would love to see, the James Daniels to the Bears. I mean, we talked about what Oregon did, and obviously uh, Hurt Helfrich or whatever is the new offensive coordinator for the Bears. He didn't do all those crazy things that Taggart did, but he does run a lot of zone, and I think putting James Daniels in between Whitehair and Long would be terrific. Um, I, I think that... Man, there's just there's a lot of good players. And you know, that's one of the things people talked about was after the top 8 picks, you know, there wasn't necessarily a lot that separated like 15 from 40. And I think t- some teams may try to trade up to get a couple of these fallen guys, but I think there's a ton of talent and we mentioned like from a fantasy perspective, a lot of the best running backs and wide receivers are going to start flying off the board. We're going to see a lot of runs like if I'm the Colts, I, I would consider uh, Darius Geis or Nick Chubb there. Maybe do a Darius Geis, uh, Will Hernandez, and have uh, Kelly in there as well and Costanza. And you want to talk about taking some of the pressure off Luck's shoulder? You can have that running game. I mean, I would re- I would really like that. Are there a couple? Are there any like players and team uh, player fits you'd really like to see?
1: I'm. Listen, man, I'm with you on Landry to the Browns. If if I'm the Browns, um, I wrote that card out the second that Lamar Jackson's name was was spoken last night. So I I, I would just have that thing ready to turn in. I, I probably just would have put it in Roger Goodell's coat pocket last night and just mm-hmm. said, "Listen, man, when you kick things off on Friday night, just say this name, and then you know let's get this thing going." Um, you know, I thought they were going to take Bradley Chubb in you know at one four. I would have taken Bradley Chubb at one four. Um, but you know, when you don't, I, this is sort of the universe giving you a gift. And when the universe gives you a gift, you change your plans, you know, they, they, they might have earmarked this spot, let's say for an offensive tackle, right. They might've earmarked this spot for a safety. They might've earmarked this spot. I don't know for a receiver for, you know, whatever kind of hole that, that they feel they have, but, um, you just take Landry right here. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I, you know, I, I'd like for the Browns maybe to say, ta- I don't know, um, Justin Reed, I, I think would be solid. Um, you know, if uh, if Sutton falls down to their their uh, their second second rounder, um, I I might even look that way. Um, so those guys for them. I know I hear what you're saying about the uh, Colts and, and Hernandez. That dude, you, you talk about football porn. Quentin Nelson and Hernandez on the same line as run blockers. Oh my gosh, that would be very fun. I I do have to say that I cannot co sign that unfortunately i would love to elliot i would love to be on your side but um the colts have a starting guard who is from brainerd minnesota which is my hometown joe Haig, Um shout out to joe Hag. went to ndsu um the every time the colts draft a guard uh my heart sinks for joe so uh he, he was one of my brother's friends so anyway but from from a football perspective absolutely you, you're right that would be super duper fun i think the uh colts could use some edge help as well you know i i think they're uh a Landry uh, potential destination. I, I think Landry would be great there. Um, you know, the Colts have issues all over on on defense, um, so I think you know. I, I think probably they're going to earmark those picks at least one defender. But if it was me, I would probably go two. Um, you know, I'd, I'd look for the edge guy first. I would I would sort of pray that Landry got to me. Um, outside of that, you know, I, I think they need a linebacker. I think they need a defensive tackle, dude. What about if they went Harold Landry and Moe Hurst? You know, if, if they were able to sort of do that one-two combination, that'd, that'd be pretty slick in terms of penetrating, right?
0: Yeah, I would love – I mean, I would love either the Colts or the Browns to do that um, I'd have Landry and Hurst. Now, those guys, you you're probably be susceptible to the run, but in today's day and age, I'd much rather be susceptible to the run than the pass. And uh, Landry and Hurst, man, they can just get after the quarterback, and you, you would have a real tough time – you'd have to kind of you couldn't double both of them so I, I would love that
1: absolutely yeah absolutely um i i liked what you were saying about the bears and james daniels he is a natural fit there and i think on your james daniels uh podcast i believe your guest tossed this one out i i, I think it's a perfect match man um you know I, I was talking on twitter um about james daniels to the bears last night i i I just think it's really good. I just think it makes so much sense. Um, you know, like you said, play play white hair at guard. You have those two guys playing next to each other. I, I, I just think it's really fun. Um, so, you know, that's one that just makes too much sense to happen, you know, I, where I just wouldn't expect it to happen because I think it makes so much sense. But I, I like those fits.
0: Absolutely. Thor, thank you for joining us. Uh, you guys, you can follow him on Twitter at ThorKU. You're listening to the Draft Daily Podcast recap, uh, unedited version. Just wanted to get you guys that content immediately. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. As always, guys, thank you for listening.